1: JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: He reminds me of there's an Eddie Izard skit where he's like about when God drew the animals and then he got to the giraffes and his hand just sort of slipped away. And, and that's how the <laughs> neck ended
4: up that way.
3: Yeah. You just look at Hall and he just looks too big. Like yeah. he just un- looks unrealistically he, big.
4: He looks like the kind of kid who, if it was in medieval times, would be frightened of no man, but terrified of thunder. <laughs> oh God, you really are full pilking
3: today. <laughs> he does. He does. But he's got like, like, like a small child's head still, and then his yeah. body looks like he looks like. I might have said this before. He looks like someone's trying to draw a small child, and then just accidentally made it way too big.
4: Let's start off in France, shall we? It's been reported that Lyon want to replace Memphis Depay and Jeff Rain Adelaide, who are both injured long-term, but they are anxious to tread carefully because they're fearful of stymieing some of the young players they have at the club. Uh, 16-year-old Ryan Shirky currently appears to be the standout example of them. He scored two, set up two, and won a penalty v. Not in the Coupe de France last weekend and looks a very exciting prospect. Um, his goal, Shirky's goals, Andy... Both came in the first 10 minutes of the game and it was fantastic because you could see the non-players looking around going, "What? what is this? <laughs> Where does this come from? This wasn't in any of the scouting reports.
2: Yeah. And Has he got a big reputation in France already? Big reputation. Yeah. It's only his, his second start. Um, he made his senior debut uh, just a couple of days after his 16th birthday. Mm. Uh, when he was 15, he was ripping up the UEFA Youth League and he was, he was fantastic in that. And, To impress to this sort of level, I think it's worth underlining that with the academy that Lyon have and have had and the amount of players that they've produced, I mean, more recently, we look at um, uh, Lacazette, of course, Fekir, then we go backwards in time and um, you've got Benzema, Ben Arfa and the first year I... I lived in France was the first year I lived in Lyon was when Benzema and Ben Arthur came into the first team. And it was, mm. it was exciting. You know, they were coming to the end of that seven um, title wins in a row, but you know, they were, they were just really um, going along the back of especially Ben Benzema for, for that season. And uh, <clears throat> to to come in at 16, which is an earlier point than either of those guys made a debut. Um, because he's he's not 17 until until next season. It's something that's that is, is quite remarkable for him to come through and people to say, is he one of the best talents that that the academy's ever produced mm-hmm. after two starts? I mean, that is not a small thing to say mm-hmm. because even when Leon, post-Claude Puel, were absolutely hemorrhaging money, and they had a huge wage bill, they'd lost control on the, the sporting side, and... Um, that, that, that they they had to reinvest in the academy at that point. That mm. um, they, they overspent on um, a lot of players that that didn't work out. Look at Edison, Jan Gorkuf, famously um, bad transfer. And uh, I mean, I mean, Gorkuf, In one sense, the the worst thing that happened with him is he kind of pushed out Miroslav Pjanic um, because Pjanic was like the anointed successor to Janino, you know, Janino got him on the phone. He looks great
4: now, Janino, by the way.
2: And said, oh, oh what the, the, the full, I'm back from a gap year. Yeah, business. he looks amazing.
4: Yeah. It looks like he works at um, in uh, Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't he? Greying beard, salt and pepper glasses. He it, looks great. Yeah, he looks the part,
2: even if his um, record as sporting director is, uh, I think that's a say yeah. at, the, at, at the moment. Anyway, it's, it's interesting because um Janino said, I want you to have this number eight shirt to Miriel and Pjanic. And then Gorkov comes and kind of nudges him out the way. Flutters his
4: eyelashes. That they end up,
2: <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> yeah. You could fall for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, they, they, they sell him to Roma, and the rest is history. You know, Pjanic becomes a, a, a great Serie A player. Um, and Pjanic is slightly different, of course, because he didn't come through the Leon Academy. I remember in that year, when um, and Ben Arthur first came through. So that would be what, 2007, 2008, um, that they played a, a, a French cup semi final against uh, Mets and Pjanic turns up playing for Mets who are bottom of the table and Pjanic is so good that straight after the game, like he's running rings around uh, Juninho and Mathieu Bodmer and, and, and players like that. And straight after the game, Uh, Olasco's right, we're going to have to buy him. Mm. Uh, We're going to have to buy him. And Mm. that's exactly what happens. But even though he didn't come through the academy Planet, he is a symbol of how the academy got deprioritised. And when they were having a cut cost left, right and centre because of everything that went wrong under Claude Puel, all the money that was spent that that didn't work out well, the only money they really spent was shoving money into the academy. Because, Mm. of course, that was the way to getting back to... To where they were, they kind of took their eye off the, the the ball a little bit where where that was concerned. But you know they've always continued to produce players, and even players that haven't worked out at, at Lyon that have gone on to have good careers elsewhere. I suppose Loic Remy is, is is one, Anthony Martial, who they were kind of forced to sell because of all the money they were losing at that point. They had to sell him to Monaco. Then he ended up going on to to, to Manchester United. Um, but Cherki to to come through. And straight away, like almost force a change in the club's transfer policy because uh, uh, right, okay, we've got to find a replacement for Memphis, and they've brought in Carl toko Kambi, who's got great Ligue on experience a good league on record with with Angers, and he's got a decent record with Real as well. So they've got this very favourable loan with an option to to, to buy deal, um, which I suspect they'll, they'll they'll take up the permanent option. I'd be surprised if they they didn't. I think um, toko Kambi will do well, but the the fact that they've been openly saying we can't block Ryan. You know, we, we need to give him space. And interestingly, having played wide quite a lot for uh, the, the youth teams of, of Lyon, he's someone who, because those skills have translated so well to senior match situations, and it's all very well seeing YouTube clips and seeing him put 15 year olds on their ass or 16 year olds on their ass hmm. or whatever. But to go into the first team and do that for them to say, well, you know what? We're going to try him as a second striker because we're a bit short and it's worked. And funnily enough, it's, you can't really compare him to, to Atten Ben Arfa, But that left foot, that audacity, there are parallels. And funnily enough, maybe if Atten Ben Arfa, people had looked at him a little bit earlier on and thought, well, maybe he would work as a second striker. Perhaps his career might have been a little bit different.
4: And I think with, with Shirky, you watch that game. I don't think, you, if you didn't know before, I don't think you'd know he was 16. He he looks like he's he's strong, like the right, beanie. The beard's got, not fluff. almost a full beard, and and that's a, a a big testament to him that he does look like he belongs at that level. And we, and we all have grown up, or oh, we've all seen over a generation really now that of these kind of kids who get a a viral YouTube video that goes everywhere about how good they are. There was that kid at Barcelona a few years ago and you don't sometimes you don't really hear them again because the point you make is a good one Andy is that it doesn't actually mean anything until you get into the uh, get into the actual seeing the pros and and see what you can do
3: but I think that's one of the reasons why he is so exciting is not just uh, you know sitting people down on their ass and going past people you get a lot of enormously talented teenagers very technically mm. gifted but you see sort of qualities there like the, the vision for the through bowl for the third goal was it I mean th- that kind of pass mm. that he's able to play that so I mean th- that's more of a that's a skill that that you can build on. That's not. A, that's not a coincidence. Like that's not just being very technical and knowing a few tricks. You know that, that sort of thing. And I, and I remember seeing that with with Martin Erdogan when he first came through. And mm. It was like it's, it's all good doing a lot of nutmegs on like terrible defenders in the Norwegian league. I mean, you you can do that, but mm. you can see him finding passes that no one else could find. And if you can do that at sixteen, that's not something that's going to going to leave you. That's and,
4: and uh, do you know what really that game where Leon beat non four three in, yeah. in 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 the Coupe de France as I mentioned. Um, and it was a real great example of life comes that you quit because in the uh, in the goal for Nantes was of course Alvin Lafont who mm. made his debut for Toulouse and he got 16 years old and what goes to Fiorentina comes back to not alone he's now what. Um, 20 yeah yeah. he's picking the ball at the back of the net from some 16 year old kid who keeps banging it past him (laughs) I felt for him I have to say I felt for him
3: (laughs) but but (laughs) Andy like it's not it it is remarkable you mention all the names that have gone through the the Lyon Academy just having lived there and just followed the club very closely like can you tell us anything is there anything they do differently from Mm. anyone else like why are they so enormously successful it's a great food
4: scene in Leon. well they could be that with
3: with the academies like with these generational talents they're always going to come through but it is remarkable is just the breadth of, of and the width of how many players who have been through there and you, you see across the French League someone catches your eye you know, he's really good a lot of the times they'll turn up to have spent some time at the Lyon Academy
2: yeah that, that's true but actually to go back to the food thing before I answer that
3: last yeah there's the thing
2: did you, did you see the, the the banner behind the goal uh, complaining about uh Uh, Paul Bocuse or the the late Paul Bocuse and if I did see it crucially I wouldn't have been able to read it oh yeah okay (laughs) and uh, his uh, his restaurant had uh, its third Michelin star taken off it after 55 years disgrace but obviously because it's got such a gastronomical tradition the ultras yeah. made a big banner going you're not taking his third star it's, it's, off it's it. my, what my, an amazing my, banner that my
3: is. kind of ultras <laughs> yeah protesting they <laughs> just to it's say not just losing they're, on, they're just taking one away just one we're yeah. going from 3 to 2 Yeah, which is very bad of course yeah, but yeah. i mean well there's there's don't a,
4: that at front park no, yeah. there's <laughs> yeah. there's a
2: theory that michelin are just uh, doing it for the uh for the social media vibes, they're trying to make themselves too, too modern and they're trying, they're trying to make headlines. But, but back to those, uh, Leon players, I think the notable thing about the Academy, and it's not just the level of investment in it, it's the way that the players are given responsibility. Mm. And I think you see that in, in, in Shirky particularly. And something that, that really strikes me, I, I saw, uh, Claudio Bovu, um, really good striker, really, um, interesting time he had at Gangon where he um, broke Didier Drogba's goal scoring record at Gangon which is no mean feat and then he got a move to Lyon off the back of it he's had a few injuries since and playing in Spain for a bit he's at Cannes last season and and now he's on um, he's he's gone to Deportivo La Coruña where he can hopefully rebuild his career and and get them back up the table but when Bovu arrived at at Lyon, there was there was a big fuss and Corentin Tolisso got himself in a lot of trouble because um, he went off for the the French to, to play with the French under twenty ones, and he said, "Ah, oh, Bovo is hopeless. Like he can't even trap the ball. He's, he's he's not he's not good enough to play for our team." And of course, a couple of the players who were on that French under twenty one team who were from Caen, gave him a ring straight, told their mates, and they gave him a ring straight away afterwards. <laughs> and that caused a big kerfuffle in the dressing room. Toliso was removed from the team for a couple of games. But I, th- I think that was quite indicative of something else. The fact that... The, the scene is so typically French. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but if, if, you're a, if you're a big, even if you're a big player, mm. if you come to Lyon, you have to fit in with our culture. Mm. Not we have to play around you because you're the star. I think that's the interesting thing. The... Technical skills and what's required of Lyon Academy graduates is what sets the tone at the club. So it's not a sense of we are there to supplement the superstars. It's they are here to
4: help us get along. Hmm. Staying in France, I mean, let's talk about my PSG beat is it Rem last night? Rons. Rons uh last night. And with with
2: Leon having beat Lille on penalties yeah. in the first semi final of the Coupe de la Ligue, that means it's a Lyon uh PSG final match ever in the Coupe de la Ligue
4: because of course they're abolishing they're it so next that, season, the, yeah. that the final in April is the final ever game in the competition. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk of of of, uh, perhaps doing that in this country as well but um, yes so PSG won last night 3-0 17 year old Tongi Kouassi got on the score sheet another exciting young player in France what did Uh, you make of his dance with Neymar last That's the dream, isn't it? Uh, That's the dream. That's what you want to be doing. His his Neymar going to corrupt him the same way he corrupted Lionel Messi. That's what I (laughs) want to know. No,
3: listen. I I don't want to sound like the sort of uh, uh, old idiots who sort of keep talking about how Pogba has ruined Man United because he does a dance and he's on so... No, no, sure. Have a dance with Neymar. Why not?
4: you're a soft touch arm around the shoulder coach Yeah, lads. I can yeah, tell absolutely,
3: absolutely. Yeah. but no but it is exciting for PSG that they're bringing through because logically PSG should be like one of the clubs in Europe that are bringing through the most talents right because if you look across the last couple of decades like there's so many incredibly talented players who come out of Paris and the suburbs around Paris PSG now they have
4: <laughs> there's all- no other Paris teams either so it's well, not that they well, anyone else to together well, well there are
3: but they're sort of not quite as prestigious so they have incredibly incredible pulling power to get the most gifted youngsters to come to them and uh, no, they, they really should but there's always been this feeling that their glamour projects could threaten that and the pathways could be completely blocked so it's good to see uh, him playing and it's good to I mean really Doug getting quite a lot of football
4: you know this sort of thing but, but Lars in terms of rivals to put it in perspective the second biggest team in Paris is Paris FC who are about to be relegated from it, Ligue 2, right? This is the Red star Paris Jeremy, are knocking about yeah.
2: Jeremy Menez scored for uh, Paris FC in the Coupe de France <laughs> no, last no, weekend. Paris That's
4: amazing. Is. That is amazing. But I want to get on to the main thing with the original in terms of this generation kind of French superstars of course, Kylian Mbappe. Um, he gave a really interesting interview with the BBC last week praising Liverpool or this week I think it was praising Liverpool um, saying, but saying he's committed to PSG um who he thanked for making him a superstar in his words but crucially said let's wait until the end of the season now it's been noted that his english is like amazing as well i, I was surprised how good his english was for for such a young kid who spent yes. all this time in france um it, i mean when, when a player in this country says look let's just wait to the end of the season with a, with a glint in his eye we we kind of we kind of brought up to think oh that's interesting now what I want to ask you guys is: Is that just a, a fact that Mbappe is speaking in his second language, and he didn't mean that, or is it something we should read into? Because he is continually linked with a big money move to the Premier League. Well, I, I think that he answered a question about Liverpool
2: because I asked him about Liverpool. I, I think that's something that's w- worth underlining oh, straight away. So boring, Andy. But there's more. <laughs> there's more. I keep the exciting bit for a, for pudding. Mm. Uh, it's with Kylian Mbappé, you have to take notice of every word he says. Right. Even if it is in very well expressed in a in a second language because it, he's very very intelligent and he always has been ever since he was a kid and he mm. was he was first in the Monaco team. I think he understands the meaning of absolutely everything he says. And the way that things have changed between him and Paris Saint-Germain over the last year and a half is he realizes that, as you say, they've made him a superstar. And I think, even though he won't quite say it publicly, he realizes that he is the captain of that ship and not Neymar. Mm. Therefore, if you're at the helm, what can you do? You can set the fu- future sporting project. Like Messi has a, a Barcelona to a, a certain extent. Mm-hmm. While he is there, the sporting direction that Paris Saint Germain takes, it all has to work towards Mbappe's ambitions and towards his timeline. And, you know, he's he's been here before saying what he expects. And I think in terms of the sensible transfer window they did last summer and going back to those young players, what was very controversial is them... Cleaning house of a lot of young players, with uh, Nkunku moving on, uh, Musadiabi went to uh, Leverkusen as well, and moving on that that sort of talent, especially Nkunku actually who went to Leipzig, who he's been good, c- could come in. Yeah, he's been good for Leipzig, and he could come in and make a contribution for Paris Saint-Germain. He did that before. Um, <clears throat> I, I I think I don't expect um, Kylian Mbappe to be a, a Paris Saint-Germain lifer. Um, he will make a move to an absolute mega club at some point. I would still kind of expect that to be Real Madrid, not just in line with his childhood ambitions. What about time frame, though? Um, <clears throat> I th- I think, I-, I think two or three years down the line, maybe.
4: Right. Okay. I- so not I- anytime soon.
2: I-, I don't. I don't think there's any massive rush to do it. Obviously, in terms of extending his contract, in terms of being paid well, and in terms of having that sort of influence, he holds all the aces at the moment because he's the player. Who they want to keep beyond all other. I, I think the fact is, and it is, it's easy to diminish his role in this, but Unai Emery, actually, when he was coach of PSG, was the first guy to come out publicly and say, Mbappe, why don't you come back here? You know, this is your throne, take it. Paris is your town, take it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's quite interesting that he ended up he ended up doing that. It's funny because if Niko Kovac had said something similar as coach of Bayern, <laughs> they would have said, "Shut up, we're not interested in your opinion." <laughs> th- th- this was before um, Emery's, I-, I guess, status was was diminished to to quite that extent. I think Mbappe is is, is very keen on that role and is very keen right. on that status. But speaking good English, coming out there and speaking good English is is, is not insignificant because it shows that actually, I am adaptable, I am international, I can, not, not only do I want to be the head of a more international Paris Saint-Germain, which is something that they've always been aiming for, but I've got enough um, intelligence and independence to go out there and do it on my own if I want to, if you don't satisfy my ambition.
1: Vigo, ha segnato two goals in this edition of the Champions League against Genk, Soprattutto contro il Manchester United nella gara del Bernabeu. Parte, attenzione, para Buffon! Para Buffon! E probabilmente questo è un intervento decisivo. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs?
4: we are the one stop shop of course for Erling Braut Holland news here on, on the continent of course and he made his debut at Borussia Dortmund from the bench at Augsburg last Didn't week just Augsburg Augsburg um, let's call the whole thing off he came on after 55 minutes with the score 3-1 to, to Augsburg and mm. promptly scored a hat trick and had the of most he did. I'd say probably the most devastating impact of any sub I've seen <laughs> in many a year yeah, it was quite um, remarkable it was like a kid an older kid walking into a younger kid's bedroom and stomping all over his lego <laughs> um <laughs> With his profile and like his physical makeup, he has the look of a man playing against boys. Like whenever he takes the field, incredible performance for a man stepping up to what we what we all assume and I suppose accept is a, is a, is a higher level. Yeah, um, Lars. Presumably, you've been in big contact with with Erling um, <laughs> since. Well, um, he did
3: actually. I mean, famously, he doesn't enjoy speaking to the media. He's quite forthright about this. Uh, he was asked why he was how he so sold in interviews uh, a while back, and he said, "Because I'm really bored." And was, right. the, the reporter followed up, "Are you bored right now?" It's like, yes. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. he, he's just he, he he's he he's a character, isn't he? Well, he's weird because he's extremely confident, but not in a sort of extrovert way. He
4: he's apart co- from when he's listening to the Champions League anthem and his well, of card, course. So when yeah. He's,
3: he's very confident about the fact he doesn't need to impress anyone in the media like I, he just okay. wants to play football he wants okay. to work hard and be a better footballer and he doesn't want to spend time speaking to journalists but they did actually manage to get an 8 minute chat with him after this game and I was, I was just surprised he, he went 8 minutes without scoring a goal I mean that's quite <laughs> yeah. quite poor for him <laughs> uh, a lot of that 8 minutes was actually Jan-Oge asking questions because you know trying to get Fiotovt is a man of many words and also trying to get uh, stuff out of Holland you need to to work hard but it was remarkable and there are a couple of things here one of it is just another example of the fact that just nothing phases him at all and we've seen this throughout his, his sort of Recent career is that you just throw him into, you know, send him down to Austria, and keep banging in goals. You know, put him into the Champions League and he'll keep banging in goals. Put yeah. him into, He doesn't. He just doesn't care. Like it doesn't seem to be any sort of uh, concept to him that this is somehow meant to be harder and there's meant to be more pressure. He just takes us so completely in a stride, and that is remarkable. And the other thing is just from a tactical perspective, you can see immediately that Dortmund have been crying out for this sort of player. You can see immediately that he he gave them. He a kind of. Of a reference point, uh, someone for all these sort of creative guys to aim at, and it was interesting. Like the the second goal is tap in from like zero yards, but you yeah. know, but the the first goal and the third one is no good sort of ball in behind that he runs onto and, and if, we, if he's, they don't really have anyone else who sort of runs off the last defender like he does I mean he's a big old unit but he does work the channels uh, as you'd he, as say and he does run and they have so many players in this team who can play balls like that for him but they don't really have anyone else who makes those kind of runs
4: well Lars well, you mentioned to me before I think that um, well well, as a preamble to this question there's there's a kind of like a, a feeling in football that if you're a striker and you're big and tall and strong you're automatically a hold up man in quotes and that's how you get pigeonholed and we've seen it happen with Lukaku we've yeah, talked we about completely it and, it and not it's not for so long yeah with, with Brout Holland yeah. is it a situation that when he was 15 or 16 he wasn't quite the size he is now and he's grown Quite late, and so people. Yeah. So what he's had to do is develop as a footballer technically, and now he's added those physical characteristics to his game. Alongside the fact that he's mentally unflappable, means he's just a perfect package.
3: I mean, that's that's definitely part of it. And I, I I could show you, but it would make for terrible podcasting. But a guy who works uh, at uh, Bruna, his uh, Holland's first club, recently put out like uh, cause he does. This fella who does video analysis for Bruna put out a short video clip of just ten seconds of uh, of Holland running onto the pitch. Well, we can uh, share for, that on social for, media for, later Yeah, here. for his first, we can link to the tweet anyway. For his first ever senior game for Bruna, Bruna's second team and the fourth tier of Norwegian football, he was uh, 15 years and 13 days old then. Yeah. And you see this sort of quite gawky, sort of thin kid <laughs> with like kind of spindly legs back then. It's so, yeah. like he is not, you look at him now and you think the guy's a beast. But, but, but he's he, when he learned the game, he, he would get boshed around by defenders quite a lot. And he had to learn how to use space and, and all this sort of thing. So, yeah, that's a huge factor. And now he has the sort of side. That once he's gone past you, you're not gonna, you're not can't gonna get, get, get around in. him again. Yeah. You can't brush him off the ball. So I think, of course, he's not going to play Augsburg every week, but he definitely, you could definitely see just from that cameo goals aside, that he adds something very specific that that Dortmund attack is lacks.
2: Um, what I like is the fact that um, the, the social media team at Dortmund are clearly. OTC listeners last because or, or watchers <laughs> of, of that that fantastic video that I I can't think of a a, a more uh, evocative clip that has been in in recent months when uh, you, you were talking about one of his hat-tricks and uh, it just had a picture of Haaland on um, their Instagram feed with the match ball from the Augsburg game and it said He's only been in town three weeks, but he's got a new girlfriend already. <laughs> that's
3: top work. Classic. Yeah, yeah. and no, you say that's... he's
4: not going to be playing Augsburg every week, but their next game is at home to Cologne, and after that, dreadful
3: at... on the road. Yeah, and
4: then after that, they're at home to Union Berlin. He could have fifteen goals before he's even. You got say, the yeah, yeah we yeah. say so that. C- Cologne have,
2: have actually had a bit of a, a surge in form recently. But forget I said that.
4: Carry on. So yeah, no, I mean, they, they, they do they, concede almost two goals a game. Yeah,
3: they were, but they've been they're they're bad away from home though. Notably, uh, Colin have got something like two wins, one draw, and six defeats on the road so far the season. So you you'd, you'd back them to have a terrible time uh, going to Dortmund. No, no it's, it's going to be it's, goals. It's, and your fellow ex- countryman
4: ex- last um, Roy Key No, I won't. You? Your fellow <laughs> countryman <laughs> no. uh, Oleg on the Solshire yeah. um, was at great pains this week to uh, protest way too much about how he doesn't like dealing with certain <sighs> agents and that's why uh, they didn't sign I mean
3: <laughs> without giving the, the ramble lawyers too much work <laughs> Ole is not someone who should talk about agents and the right way to deal with agents okay. and the morality of that and I'm not going to go any further. You can Google this if you're interested.
4: There you go. It's already out there. Um, let's talk a bit about Jürgen Klinsmann as well, shall we? Now, it was revealed a week or two ago that he didn't have the documentation uh, needed to coach in the Bundesliga. I imagine that was just a, an admission. It seemed to have been cleared up fairly quickly. I do mean, do he, you know how it was cleared up? He, he successfully renewed it ahead of
2: the buying game. Yeah. but I don't know how exactly. Well, he's, he said he had the right documents, uh, but they were <laughs> at his house in California in a drawer somewhere. Right. So, Which what, seems what like did, a
3: metaphor, right? <laughs> for the Klinsmann project. Like my coaching badges are in a drawer somewhere. I can do this guys.
2: It's all good. Well, it's it's funny because basically what he did is he got a friend to go into his house, find the documents, (laughs) photograph them on his phone and then send them to the German FA who in lieu of having the actual documents and I realise this does sound very bureaucratic, he got a three week
4: extension to, 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 to get them in. However, so he rifled through a drawer, discarded all the 80s kind of like pawn picks, <laughs> and then found the coach and docs. But the press that I field, dad, with the story is that just because Klinsmann's reputation in Germany is as it is, well, because how was he seen in Germany, for example? Well, you know what I think you have to go back to the the,
2: the beginning and say, as a coach, the cultural impression he made on um, Germany, and certainly the way that. Germany and German football looked at itself with the work that he did at the 2006 World Cup mm. is notable and right. re- remains notable. I mean, that wasn't just um, a, a revolution in terms of Germany having a decent team again. It was a revolution in the way that Germany and expressing national pride, certainly through the medium of the football team, um, it was a revolution in how they felt about themselves. So Clinsman was a huge part of that. However, the fact that two things: the fact that uh, Yogi Love then took over, and he was always the tactical brains behind it, and there was no hiding that. There was never any hiding right. that. Um, I, I, I think the fact that Yogi Love has gone on to do so well on his own is is one thing, and the second thing is what Klinsmann did at, at Bayern. And he tried to change too much too quickly. He uh, tried to reinvent the wheel there. Too many and, uh,
3: Buddhas? <laughs>
2: yeah, definitely too many Buddhas. Tell us more about that. Uh, well, he, he put little statues uh, of, of, of Buddha around the, the, the training ground. And Bayern is a very say what you mean club, mm. and a, a, a few notable players came out and said, "Look, this they is, said
3: no to Buddha. Yeah,
2: this, this is this is nonsense." And
3: um, <laughs> his insistence on signing Landon Donovan was confusing as well. I mean, yeah, that
2: was, yeah, that, was that, that that was big, and of, of course he didn't he didn't last very long there um, because I think to to try and change the culture at a club like Bayern, which has got such a strong sense of its own culture, um. Well, let's 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 be clear. And the f- the fact that he ended up in
3: California afterwards, um, and hasn't coached since at club level. Sorry, no,
2: that's 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 true, and it's an absolutely big deal. And some would say, is he doing it to that extent now? Because you know we talked about Yogi Love being the brains behind Germany tactically mm. if, before he even took took the helm himself solely. Um, the the fact that the assistant to Klinsmann is um, Alexander Nuri, who was the head coach of, of Werder Bremen. That has not gone unnoticed. And he is someone who is going to be responsible for the tactics of Hertha. And there's a huge sense that Klinsmann is just the, the figurehead. The fact is, when he came out for his, his his first home game against Dortmund, there was you know this huge like array of photographers in front of the bench. And he was also doing a video of himself on his phone for their their club channel now Clinsman's not coming lost yeah yeah <laughs> uh, they, they played okay yeah but, but Klinsmann's not coming completely cold um, he's he's come in because he was already advising the board um, after uh, Lars Windhorst made this investment he was he was he was brought in and it's meant to make the club more visible more sexy and it's been thrown back at them quite a lot as you can mm-hmm. imagine in mm-hmm. the in the uh, aftermath of that battering by Bayern the, the, the talk that they want to make the most of being a, a big city club
4: well it kind of makes sense I mean Ryan Hunt spoke uh, about it a few weeks but, ago on yeah. the show didn't he talking about how but, but it, this it, is where it, it, yeah, but the problem, the most, in theory the problem
2: is we go back to when when Ryan was talking to us about it and their big plans to use January to spend all this money they're struggling to spend it yeah. you've got to get people to, to, to buy into to want to, to, to come
3: yeah, and you say they want to spend all this money, but it's not, like, this is not, we're not talking Abu Dhabi or Qatar money. Like, it's it's about spending 25 million on Granit Jacker or something like this. I mean, I'm not sure how transformative that will will be. And listen, I, I think we had a good chat with Ryan about this, because I. I mean, it's easy to laugh at Hertha, right? Because there are many words you can use about the modern Hertha Berlin, they're quite underwhelming and not as... Not what a big Berlin club should be. Really, demographics considered and all of this sort of thing. Are you saying but not attractive? It was certain, well, as Ryan very astutely reminded us, they are still a club that have a big fan base, and they are still a club that have an identity and have a history. And I think the impression you get is that Klinsmann is kind of doing it again. The sort of culturally sticking his his Buddha in it, uh, so to speak. <laughs> uh, the, the sort of uh, the sort of uh, the, the sort of blue sky thinking that. Got him in trouble at Bayern, the ho- holistic approach and the Buddhas and all this sort of stuff. At Hertha, he's already annoyed people by talking about how like Hoffenheim and RB L- 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 Leipzig being uh, m- m- like a uh, uh, forbild, what's the word for that in English? Uh, uh, examples m- models, Examples, yeah, models. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, and that is like for, for German football fans, that's not what you want to hear. Like in the strictly sporting no. sense, those two clubs are a great example of building something from nothing and, and creating something. But Hertha fans would argue that they are not nothing and that they mm. have a history. And the sort of investment model that uh, Hoffenheim and Leipzig have, have followed is anathema to an awful lot of supporters in Germany. And that is not the way to ingratiate yourself with your new fan base, of, of uh, to point to the two most hated clubs in the league and say, hey guys, this is what we sort <laughs> (laughs) look up to now like this it's not yeah if there was like a football stock market and you could short a club (laughs) yeah I'd be all over shorting that
4: what is the the problem with Hurta then because it's an amazing city it's a a great place to live it's very interesting. To, to there's loads of stuff to do there. Yeah, Ryan seemed to intimate it from what I remember when I listened to the show. I wasn't on that one, but I listened to it back, and he was saying, "Look, it's not great. They're in this huge stadium, which they can't fill. That is a, that is a massive deal." And can I, that I think, be? Can that be the sole reason, though? No, it's
2: not the sole reason, but it is a big reason. I think you look at this game against Bayern, for example. Bayern, who have supporters not just in Munich but from all, all over, over yeah. Germany, yeah. and in a situation like this, you look at Herter had kept Bayern just about at arm's length for almost an hour then thomas müller scores a very like arsenal in the 80s kind of goal you know crossed to the back post nodded Nought down, down yeah. nodded down by um uh, um perišić and, and then müller smashes it in and then after that they absolutely fall down like mm. a, a house of cards and i think that really is <laughs> carries on to the second point the fact that they are looking not just for for sexy players, but a certain type of experience. The fact that they've looked at Xhaka, they've looked at Kevin Strootman, they're, they're, they're still trying to get Luca Toussaint <laughs> <It's> from, like,
3: <laughs> from, from <laughs> Neil. Uh, is anyone in like, like, European football, like you've had a massive cash injection, what do we need? We need Kevin Strootman. No, like, I mean... I
2: like, take your point totally. Uh, <laughs> Marseille really Mar, Mar is say saying you need <laughs> Kevin Strootman. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please bring his knees with him? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that idea of having gravitas not in terms of like say when Manchester City was t- t- taken over buying Rubinho, but the idea that they they are trying to get what they see as experience in the right place of the team. Because at the moment they don't have that, not just that big club mentality in terms of their playing squad, but they don't really have that, right, we're going to fight to win this game sort of mentality. And that that's where the idea of signing Jacker comes from, doesn't it?
3: For sure. I'm just saying, if your role models are Leipzig and Hoffenheim and you want to build something, then look at what they actually did, which is yeah. f- focus on youth. Yeah. Or if you want to generate enthusiasm, by all means, make a splashy big signing... But don't make it Kevin Strootman. No. But I think you've been a bit,
4: I think you've been a bit unfair because when you, you bring in the Man City thing there, fine, Man City did bring in these certain players, whole, huge name players or whatever, but they also spent a lot of time realising that it was a process and it was going to take a while for them to be in the... The reason they got Robinho is because of his agent, because he thought he was going somewhere else and because yeah. he was an absolute mercenary. Yeah, right. They, they also signed players like Gareth Barry, uh, Jolyon Lescott... Rocky Santa Cruz, absolutely. So, 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 there is a process here. Hertha in no matter how much money they've got, and I know you're saying they haven't got as much money as the as, as, as the Qataris or the Abu Dhabi Investment Group. But if you are going to do it, it's a process. You aren't going to go and get Mbappe, yeah. no, go, come, sure, come and sure. play for Hertha. Sure. Her
2: you know what? You're not going to do it in January either. No, no. right. That, that's the so we have to be careful. careful. That's, that's the cautious. big problem
4: for them. Where
2: they are at the moment, though, is trying to make that big media splash, trying to do it mid-season, and trying to do it in a situation where. You know what? They can't be looking to Europe. They have to make sure they don't get relegated. Yeah, and they could do with finishing as the top club in Berlin, which is not a given.
3: I, I my big takeaway from this game was that uh, his goal means Thomas Müller now finally has scored as many goals as Alan Baltolán in the Bundesliga this season.
4: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how many more minutes? <laughs>
3: which, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> thousand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Actually, uncanny, uh, Luke. Exactly one thousand fifty minutes. There we go. But, uh, but, b- big moment for him, I'm sure.
1: Zidane, the Falcate Figo anticipato, palla che sembra essere buona ancora per Del Piero, attenzione Del Piero contro Ierro, una serie di dribbling, lo fa cadere, gol! Alex Del Piero!
4: Braga have had a great week. They beat Porto away in the league, uh, still have a decent chance of Europa League football next season. And are in the Tata de Liga final, thanks to a win over Sporting. They'll play Porto in the final on Saturday. And he's going to uh, explain the quite baffling format to that competition in a minute. Um, the game against Sporting was a frankly ridiculous game, which saw Braga score a last-minute winner to make it two-one. There were four red cards in the game: uh, Yannick Bellassi, Jeremy Mathieu, and Christian Borco were all sent off for Sporting, with Wilson Eduardo sent off uh, for the Mino Warriors. Um, aside from the fact that Jeremy Mathieu scored, a uh, caused a, a riot. With, with one of the worst tackles uh, so it's bad so dumb that I don't even think it was a tackle I think he no. crossed the, 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 the border between late tackle and off the ball incident without uh, even yeah, meaning to do no, so sure. it did didn't it it
3: was really um, stupid
4: Andy talk to me a bit about that game and also talk to us about the format of, of, of this competition that Braga have seen themselves in the final of this Saturday yeah we'll explain
2: the Taster Liga format first because uh, I, th- I think it's quite interesting especially in a season where uh, France is bringing their league cup to an end. Yeah, and uh, Spain
4: are doing something similar um, to this in in in, in the Supercopa. Yeah, 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 they've
2: kind of copied it really.
4: Yeah. Um, the idea of it.
2: the idea of having this uh, final four, and they've had it for what this must be the third year that they've done done it in the Tasa de Liga, in that you have a single venue, and you have the the four semi finalists, and you have Tuesday semi final, Wednesday semi final, Saturday final, all in the same stadium. Yeah. So I, I quite like that as a as, as a format. It's quite it's quite interesting. Well, it seems
4: it feels innovative, which like is it.
2: kind of what people need. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's inexpensive as well. The tickets aren't yeah. aren't expensive. Not that that's filled the stadium up this
4: week. It's a great stadium to visit though.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And it was in Braga last year as well. So right. they, were, they were happy with the the, the, the way it went. Um, it's really weird seeing Benfica not in the final four because um, it's uh, traditionally since the Taça de Liga, which is a relatively young competition in Portugal, has started up. It's, it's been Benfica's competition. Uh, they, they've, they've won it a pile of times. Um, but uh, yeah, this, braga sporting game was was absolutely <laughs> astonishing and yeah i, I don't know if you, you the thing is you can't say eight man sporting finished the game can you because the red cards happened to players uh, eduardo wasn't on the pitch when he got oh, sent off. Oh, he just off. wanted to be involved. He was yeah. on the bench. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and the, the other Eduardo who, who wasn't on, who got sent off was Braga's Eduardo, the yeah. one who spent the sports uh, short spell at Chelsea. Goalkeeper who looks like he's carved out of granite. Yeah. He could be behind one the, quarry,
4: the <laughs> goals. of the quarry, yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah. There's, there's, also there's no doubt not on the
3: pitch when he was sent off. Absolutely. Big fan and, and of can, subs getting can, sent, can I, sent I, off. Yeah. You know,
4: I mean, I don't want to get too beardy about the game because I know a lot of people listening won't have seen it. But, but you can see free highlights of all Portuguese games on, on YouTube. On Vsports, on YouTube. It's on YouTube as well, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's what you meant. Uh, Yannick Bellassi getting sent off. I, I felt this was a real key moment in this game because... Yannick Bellassi goes to close down a, a, a Braga player yeah, and he slips yeah. and as he slips he goes over the top of the ball in, in quite what I would say if you can describe any of those kind of incidents as benign it was the most benign example yeah, you would yeah. see of it and the referee oh. sends him off after and, after a VAR consultation quite as wh- high studs are, sh- I guess what the ref has seen. but what happens then is then the referee essentially doesn't understand that he's cause he's starting to cause this ill feeling (laughs) and he refuses to take control of it now the players need to take on responsibility but that I that that decision there you are saying this
2: you are saying this like someone who's a pundit on Portuguese TV I'm enjoying it just fuming about it yeah Yeah. I'm not get after the ref yeah if you were accompanied by half an hour of footage (laughs) this is a Portuguese I I just think the referee the
4: referee needs to understand the context that decision he makes because what happens after that is of course sporting get frustrated because they're about to miss out on going to a final and that's what who does, even though he's popped up with a great goal, by the way? Amazing finish. So what was he even was really doing? Really there? weird, yeah. What was he even doing up there? Yeah. Um, he then gets sent off in a quite childish way. Oh, and he's a really clean hitter of the ball. People yeah. forget he played for Barcelona and was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, we for really them. do forget it is, that. It is quite easy to forget that, though.
3: Um, yeah. The <laughs> Bolassi one, I have to say, you, you rarely see a red card where you feel that uh, sympathetic with the player whilst also feeling that it has to be a red. Because it is, I mean, it is completely accidental. It was
4: officious, though. It was Compe- a
3: It's completely accidental. Uh, for Balassi, but you're still responsible for where your limbs end up. And his limb ended up almost like twanging someone else's limb. And that—that that is, you know, it, it was, it yeah. did endanger him, yeah. uh, I, I but it was of, completely accidental.
2: I kind of wonder if this happens quite a lot with new light football boots. Don't you think we yeah. see more studs up tackles than we used
3: to? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and like, like
2: there's, I don't think there's a great deal of support in very light new football boots. Now, as someone who, when I rarely play football, I don't make any tackles ever, mm. so it's good. It's almost like pay, playing barefoot. But if you're someone who tackles, like if you
4: plant your foot down, it's going to slide. There's two. There's two points in that. One, I, I, to, to expand that further, one is that players, because they have no protection, in the upper of their football boot now use the sole of their foot for as protection. Which yes. Means you see a lot more studs up challenges. Yeah. Secondly, um, you see a lot more metatarsal injuries because there's no um, support for the front of the foot. So what, what, what the, what the uh, in my opinion, what the boot manufacturers have done have traded protection and support for speed because the game's all about pace now. Mm. So what they're trying to do is make the lightest football boot possible. Uh, and there was a presentation, I think, Town a couple of years ago where the boot they had there was so light it was being suspended, like levitating on like jets of air. Right on the pedestal, and that was our lightest boot ever. About 150 grams of a boot or something. But what it's not giving is protection for the players who play in the positions where they've got to tackle. It just doesn't give... There's so much more protection by putting your studs up.
3: But if they end up doing that regularly, that needs to get coached out of them because you're going to get sent off and cost your team, though. Of
4: course, but they're they're terrified of being injured. They'd they'd rather be suspended for a game than than, than, than go out for three months because they've broken their foot. Either way, I think the interesting thing about this card is the way it affected
2: the game because mm, yeah. Braga were better with 11 than they were with 10 I, I felt and they needed this uh, as you say late late goal from Paulinho and again I think that's what influences what happens next with Mathieu he's got his team back into the game with this <laughs> his, his beautiful goal and it's him who loses Paulinho at the back post. And for that to happen with an experienced, yeah. uh, at the second post. You just post, have to kick him. With, with an experienced, like, yeah. you know, left-sided centre-half stroke left-back. I mean, he must be so annoyed with himself. After they played really well, having got themselves back into the game, a man down. And then it's just him knocking off that lets Paulinho, who's, on a good streak, by the way, just nod it in a really simple goal hmm. at the far post to take take Braga into into the final. But the, the job that Ruben, Ruben Amorim is
4: is doing at well, Braga well, is incredible. Well, let's talk about him then, because he, he's um, he's thirty four. He retired from playing at just thirty. He was Braga's reserve team coach, but was upped to the big chair when Ricardo Sapinto was sacked back in September. Yeah, R- Ricardo
2: Sapinto, we have to say, he didn't hit anyone. To, to get fired <laughs> Absolutely this time didn't two, two days before Christmas the the only things notable that happened for him is just to summarise in three lines uh, good in the Europa League six defeats in 14 league
4: games and got thrown off a Ryanair flight great that's great, that, that, that great. Like half season with Brian like, And that's you? why Portugal is so underrated but it's not often we say this about a manager but Ruben Amarim is uh, in fact, I think it might be the first time I've ever said it. At the time of recording, he's currently won every single game he's coached in top flight football. Uh, that's not
2: bad. And and his debut in top flight football, they won 7-1 away at Belenenses. Awesome. Oh, so what I'm saying
4: is, prick your ears up, Everton fans. He could be the new Marco
3: I just—it's wa- a great
4: story, though, isn't it? It's an I interesting story.
3: I just don't want to move away from Sao Pinto being chucked off a Ryanair flight. Quickly, <laughs> exactly. he looks like a man who shouldn't be on Ryanair to begin with. Like, I don't but they all anyone... do it
4: because of the convenience, don't they? Uh, but the, the ryanair you, you can't. But the hair is Porto very, to faro. yeah,
3: yeah. The, the the most luscious hair ever to be seen on a Ryanair flight, possibly.
2: Yeah, and do you know what? There <laughs> is there is some like sort of quite lustrous hair in Portuguese really football, is. isn't, isn't isn't there? So that's that's saying something. But um, Amorim's a really interesting character. I mean he's he's talked quite at length about his, his his coaching philosophy despite this being his first top flight job. Now what what I think so interesting about him is he's not only so open about his philosophy, he's so open about his personality shortcomings, mm. which is is something I, I think is fascinating. I mean he um did a really um interesting uh in depth interview like when he was first doing his uh he was first doing a, a, a postgraduate course which Mourinho was one of the lectures lecturers on actually nice um this is going back a, a couple of years when he, he knew he was gonna try and make it in coaching and he, he said I, I wasn't one of those guys who always thought i would be a coach he was he was someone who was a talker without trying to be a talker right on on the pitch and so I think other people suggested it to him, and he had a bit of a think about what he was going to do. Do he have to retire due to
4: injury then? Yeah, that's yeah. that's
2: right. Um, and he didn't he didn't want to be um, a sporting director because he's not that good at getting on with people. Uh, he didn't want to be a pundit because it simply didn't interest him. So he almost came to coaching by by default from from doing this course and then diversifying into coaching. And he had a bad start to to, to his coaching career because he took on a uh, Casa a uh, Lisbon club in the who were then in the third tier, I guess. And um basically he was meant to be he, he was he didn't have the correct qualifications to be the head coach. So they got in someone else to officially be the head coach while he would really be the 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 manager of the team. Mm. But he couldn't contain himself, so he would come up onto the touchline, move everyone else out of the way, and start directing the players on the pitch. And the Portuguese league stepped in and said, you can't do that, you're not qualified. And so basically, what they did is they fined Casapia, they took six points off them, and they banned him from coaching for a year. And this is when he's a real greenhorn. And he said, No, they're just in the drawer in California. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. My gag is in a drawer in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, basically, um, they appealed, they got the points back, but he resigned anyway. And um, he'd always said, going back before that, before he became a coach, I've, I've got to be better at containing it because he was someone who was coached by Georges Jesus both at Bellinense and um, Benfica for a, a combined total of probably about six, seven years mm. and they fell out a lot. He said, I had great moments with Jesus and not so great moments with Jesus. And he, he said what he found so difficult about it. Jesus is such an intense bloke. Like everything is on top of players. He's on their case all the time and you know that's expressed in 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 the football it is kind of this attacking festival and i know like people who watch south american football have seen a bit of that with uh flamengo and he's a transformative type of coach now the interesting thing is at when he was at braga amoreen played under leonardo jardim who's far more uh what i i want i want the players to lead it kind of coach He's, he's a bit more holistic And so he's someone who doesn't flog the players physically, who wants them to have fun with the ball and all that sort of stuff. So he's ended up at this kind of midpoint. I also think, and I don't really want to make the comparison in terms of them as coaches, and especially as Amalim is such a green coach. But I think, you know, when we talk about what sort of coach, um, someone is compared to the player they were, and I think sometimes you can read too much
4: into that. So Amarim was like a central midfield player; he's a utility yeah, player. Yeah, they, they just put him anywhere. He played fullback as well. He played, yeah,
2: yeah he yeah. played, he played right back. He played <laughs> a central midfield, wide midfield, all over the place, and he was kind of um, a bit undercut in terms of his career, and people underrated him because they thought of him mm. as a jack of all trades, master of none. Even mm. though, like Portugal, found him quite a useful like tournament player to have in the squad, mm. but. I think when you're a player like that, who A plays all over the place, B is injured a lot, and C maybe isn't first pick even when he is playing. Yeah. I think if you look at, say, Nuno, for example, at Wolves, he's someone who I think his coaching style has developed quite naturally because he spent so much time watching the game when he was a player. Right. And I think being part of it, but not being in it. Yeah. gives you a different perspective. It's a really and interesting I, point. I, yeah. I think that's
4: worked quite well for Amorimu as well. All right, it's time for Games of the Week. My favourite part of it. Um, I'm sure it's your favourite part of it as well. Last week, Real Madrid 2 Sevilla 1 was my pick. The rarest of beasts, a Casemiro brace. <laughs> settled, <laughs> settled this one. Um, Andy, you had uh, Sporting 0, Benfica 2. Yes. A, a late show from Substitute Rafa settled this one. Um, he's had a good goal scoring time of it last season but he's been had to play a bit more of a cameo role this year hasn't he well he's he's been injured
2: Mm. he he got um, a a serious thigh injury that's kept him out for a while Benfica have really missed him because to have a playmaker with that sort of pace as well it's a game changer especially in the Portuguese league well he made a big
4: uh, difference in that one uh, Lars you took on the um, the Leipzig 3 Union Berlin game yeah,
3: good versus evil in the, the Bundesliga the evil yeah. empire e- One out evil did triumph yeah to the by chagrin the of
4: strikes back <coughs> to the to <laughs> chagrin of football Bell. purists everywhere presumably yeah. you included in that, well Lars. but
3: also est- aesthetically I mean there was absolutely belting goal by team of owner worth looking up I mean Beautiful. oh my god yeah. there's a the man in form yeah. good lord no good value for the win RB Leipzig and they look an awful lot like a team who might win the league uh, which uh, which brings me to my game of the week this week I Well guess. you go
4: first then Lars because you've, you've absolutely steamrolled your way into first I football, have so.
3: because I, I, I want to watch Bayern Munich Schalke and this is a fixture you should always watch anyway because this, this is a lot of aggro and all this but because Schalke look like a semi-credible force under David Wagner he's done a tremendously good job uh, those who follow this Huddersfield team maybe not surprised by that he's a very good coach clearly I think in Germany He's maybe done a little bit better than people were expecting uh, t- trying to become the latest sort of drummer in Spinal Tap who tries to figure out how to make <laughs> Schalke work. It's, it's a very after Domenico Tedesco did in fact spontaneously combust uh, No, it, it, it is a very it, it's a. It's a. It's It's the most poisoned of chalices but David Wagner's done a tremendous job so far, made them very compact and hard to beat. Still a bit short on quality maybe for a team to fight right at the top but certainly they have enough about them to give by on a game you should think and uh,
4: Lars, what's the situation with um, Alex Neubel for that game?
3: I would assume I haven't read anything about it. He, pretty, would, he probably
2: won't play, they'll, they'll they'll play Schubert They've been playing Schubert, season. but I thought
4: that's because Neubel was suspended Yeah, but the question has old. always
2: been, do they want to just look at look Throw at him Schubert? in there! Throw him in! Do, I would do want, they want to look at Schubert as their possible for future line number one? Yeah, so yeah. I, I
4: think he'll play
3: We'll see, it would be it would be fun if Neubel played, but there would also be a potentially difficult decision I guess
4: if Nobel plays I'll watch it It'll so i d- put you, it
3: out
2: there you know, you know what Leon, Leon Goretzka didn't do great out no, of playing against Bayern <laughs> after he joined them but before he before he left best tears since Loudrop. Yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> you, you know I wanted to ask you actually about the, the, the David Wagner thing mm. um, last, as they are wildly overperforming mm. uh, against the XG model yeah oh God. German, German Burnley
3: <laughs> but I mean, they do play a sort of an energetic, sort of positive. Like they like doing things with the ball. Uh, I I think that's slightly unfair. They're not sort of long ball merchants.
4: I was like, I thought i had you there.
3: As yeah. an aside, I am a bit uh, sad that Sporting aren't playing again because after the the Jeremy Matthews sending off, I kind of yeah. wanted to see if he would be committing some more random acts of but you, violence. But you
4: think that right? I was normal like that sometimes, and then I remind myself that, that kind of stuff just happens in Portugal all the time. Yeah, so that, but that's you, why you're, like you're you never want get next else doing. It. But,
3: but actually Andy I'm not sure does the tassa de Liga uh, sendings off do they carry on I mean does it doesn't mean he's banned for the next one yeah it'll, it'll, that it'll,
2: would... it'll, be, it'll be banned in the next league game and yeah. this is when it makes sense because well, right?
3: it, <laughs> <laughs> it looked to me like the challenge of someone just had somewhere to be next week yeah like maybe he has a wedding or something Kevin
2: like, Nolan before Christmas we, we, we had, day we
3: off. Had, <laughs> we had this in Norway a few years back <laughs> we had a player who actually had somewhere to be and he asked the ref before the game Ryan Kriis his name was he asked the ref before the game like ref can you can you make sure because he was one booking away from his suspension and he had somewhere to be asked the ref can you make sure you book me for something at some point but this guy was like a really creative winger who never tracked back or made any attempt to win the ball so it's kind of hard to book him like essentially you, corruption so, so actually the ref had to go over and poke him towards the end of the game saying mate you've not given me a reason to book you yet like I, I want to play ball here but you've, you've got to give me something and he was like oh yeah sure 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 so the next time he blew up for a foul he just went over to belt the ball into touch <laughs>
1: just for no reason at all it
4: reminds me of a story I heard from an ex-Scottish Player who I won't name, who who was talking about how the fact that every referee in the eighties was known as being Protestant or Catholic in the <laughs> Glasgow area, and uh, he he was playing for uh, Rangers, and he said um, we were we were one 0 up, and um, playing against uh, obviously they're playing against a Catholic team, let's say Hibs. And uh, the referee had played about six minutes of injury time. This is well before the, I don't think the game was being televised or anything like that. And uh, this this player went up to the referee when there was another corner to the other team and said, "Fuck me, ref! How long left?" And the referee turned to him and went. Till we get one, son. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my game of the week is I'm going to go for the Rome derby. Lazio, after being knocked out of the cup, a trophy they won last season, of course, need to bounce back. Uh, a win against Roma, particularly in the knowledge that Juve have got a tricky away game at the San Paolo, is absolutely vital. That's you, on Sunday tea time. Did you say see uh, Chiro Immobile's penalty? He's an absolute machine. But he, did, did you? He, did I haven't he, seen the penalty. No, uh,
2: this was uh, in in the quarter final against uh, Napoli of the Coppa Italia this week. Uh, a game that, um, okay, spoiler alert. My game of the week is uh, Napoli versus Juventus. So nice. you, you can watch them in a row because this is yeah. this is Sunday night. Maybe right. you know, go go for a little bit of light tea in between, and um, cut the cannoli. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think Nap- Napoli's win was. At, like the the way they celebrated it at, at, at the end, there was this moment, um, probably about like five ten minutes from the end, and they won one nil Napoli over Lazio, won eleven in a row. Mm. Um, where um, Lorenzo Insigne, who'd scored a brilliant goal two minutes in, which ended up being the winner, he was tracking back his fullback and it, he, he knocked it off him and won Napoli a goal kick, and he was like pumping his fists and revving up the crowd like it was uh, like it was a goal or something like that. It just meant so much. I mean, Gattuso simply looked exhausted mm. at the end of it. They needed this this win so badly. I mean, to put it into a Serie A context, of course, Juventus um, beat uh, Roma 3-1 in their Coppa Italia quarterfinal. And um, they were, as they've been a lot, especially uh, in Serie A and especially at home this season, they were clinical, really. Roma had their chances, didn't make the most of them. Buffon had a...
4: A, a pretty good game and uh, Roma will have been a, a bit disappointed with some of their defending. But the further context of that Lazio win though Andy was the fact that didn't Lazio beat Napoli quite fortuit- fortuitously in the league like the week before? Yeah. Because uh, Ospina made an error and yeah. Immobile scored late on. Yeah that's, so they that's, probably, that's right so like yeah. 10 days before so yeah,
2: yeah Ospina made a, made a dreadful mistake that led to Immobile's goal. Also the, the fact that, that they ended up playing um, a bit of it, more quite a, quite a large part of it with ten, uh, ten, ten men, yeah. uh, Napoli. Mm. But it, it ended up ten against ten quite quickly because Lucas Leiva got two yellow cards in the same action really for a funny. foul and then for Gobinoff. Diol
4: Balatelli. No, but big f- balatelli I two. love. I yeah. mean, I
3: think actually it was like it didn't see. I mean, it wasn't the worst case of gobbin Off you'll ever see. I'm a big fan of the refs giving the second yellow. Anyway.
2: Um, yeah, but the Immobile penalty, which, you know, you thought uh, just, just Napoli's luck because uh, Hussain gave away the, 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 the penalty and it looked like they had the chance for a quick equaliser. Do you remember the Beckham penalty against Turkey yeah. where his feet just like the ground his his foot. Yeah, yeah, goes, yeah. goes from under him? That happened to Immobile. A guy who's been able to do no wrong in front of goal. That's exactly the break. That Napoli needed. It still doesn't make me convinced that they can beat Juventus, but it did feel like a moment of, whew. You know, we really needed that, so it's given them a little bit of a boost before they play, they play the role Coach Sarri and his team. This was
1: a Stakhanov production.